0: team now that many feel will win the iron team division let's hear for the road warriors ladies and gentlemen Hawk and animal this coming wednesday night in the iron team division is going to be physical fellas you know some jim ross there's a lot
1: going on in the nwa sting moda flare funk luger the four horsemen back the road warriors are here you got the starters two star king which separates the nwa from everybody else we have real athletes here, and if you don't like it, we don't care. No doom, skyscrapers, and Wednesday night, You're gonna pay, Stargate Future Shock. We're gonna prove to everybody who the Iron Men really are. Tell them, brother. insurance. You want to know why? We don't need to. You see, we all take risks in life. A parachutist takes a risk of his parachuting, not opening. What a rush. A man that swims with sharks could get bit. What a rush. we fall over the edge and get back up on it. That's the difference between us and everybody else. You see, we truly do snack on danger and dine on death. And a lot of people are going to find out when they get in the ring with us that it's better to be dead and not make money than try to make money against us because we are sick individuals this here is the truth if you don't like it we don't care because we're not changing for anything or anybody we're just gonna continue what we do best and everybody knows what that is beating people up
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Wednesday night at Starcade, Road Warriors will meet the Steiners. The Road Warriors meet the Skyscrapers, and the Legion of Doom meet Doom. Wednesday night at seven at Starcade. More on that in the hour.
2: So, folks, it's uh. With much sadness that uh, I'm talking to you today about the passing of uh, a person that was um, a hero of mine as a child um, and then became a friend of mine through Facebook um, and I don't just mean you know. I, I liked his fan page. We were. He he had a just a normal pe- Facebook page. Um, Joseph Larnitis, Road Warrior Animal, died today of um, natural causes at the Tantar Resort in. Osage Beach, Missouri. Um, you know, I'll tell you a memory before I get into anything else. My favorite, my, my, when I was a kid, I used to just dream of being a pro wrestler. Um, I don't know, man. Probably until I was in my teens or something. And then through, um, after high school and college, I kind of dreamed about it again. Uh, in college Um, but whatever my earliest like I mean like pre 10 years old I mean I thought it was so real Uh, and I would try the moves and the holds on my friends and luckily none of them ever got hurt or never never even hurt them period Um, but I always dreamed of teaming up with the road warriors hawk and animal um i, I looked up to hulk hogan and said you know he was my first hero but it was the road warriors that i wanted to be a part of their team with like precious paul Elring as manager and paint my face and wear the spiked shoulder pads and fight the evil Russians alongside the road warriors. Um, but, uh, to give you some history, uh, and why the road warriors are considered, uh, the greatest tag team of all time. Uh, Joe Laurinaitis, road warrior animal. We started in 1982. Man, that was a long time ago. um, he started as the road warrior, as a singles wrestler, and he started uh, his life, I mean, he was just a, a legitimately badass dude, he was into weightlifting, he didn't have any real direction in life, it didn't seem like, um, but he liked beating people up. And he liked powerlifting, uh, and he was not a stranger to say, you know, he he took steroids, and uh, I think it was up until 1990 or thereabouts. Steroids were fairly legal, but he claims that him and Hawk did it with a doctor's supervision, uh, and it was all prescription and. Uh, supervised you know cycle on and off and stuff like that um but when he started pre- before he got started in wrestling he was a bouncer at a place called uh grandma bees and it was uh there they had a multitude of people that were uh to eventually become wrestlers uh Mike Hegstrand Road Warrior Hawk was there he and Animal were good friends uh from high school and at that age uh you know they hadn't seen each other in a while because I think Animal's dad moved him to another side of Minneapolis and he went to a different high school than Hawk but and Hawk was a few years older too um so also at that bar they had uh, Ravishing Rick rude was one of the b- the bouncers uh, Legitimately strong tough son of a gun uh, And you also had a guy named Barry Darso who was a power lifter and badass uh, He would be one of the Russians known as uh, Crusher cruise Chef, who came in once uh, Nikita Koloff turned babyface, Crusher came in to be Ivan Koloff's uh, sidekick, and also Barry Darso was Smash of Demolition, who was, Demolition were the WWF's version of the Road Warriors. Uh, I always thought they were like a road warrior ripoff now i didn't know i was still pretty childish okay um it was like 1989-90 i was starting to get smartened up to wrestling and uh but i said yeah they're just stealing their their gimmick from the road warriors i hope the road warriors come to wwf and beat them up and eventually the road warriors did um and the reason they're known as the best tag team of all time. It was 1983, Hawk had been wrestling some territories in uh, the north, I guess, mid, northern Midwest and southern Canada. And he was brought into Georgia Championship Wrestling where... Animal had done one stint there and then his wife got pregnant with uh, their son James and Animal wasn't making enough money. He was actually losing. He was sending his money home to his wife and uh, He was losing muscle because he was living off of you know scraps and things like that So he went back to Minnesota for a while then uh, they talked him into coming back to Georgia to be part of a tag team. And I, I guess from what I read, one night, uh, Animal's partner had uh, some legal troubles. So they switched, they brought in Hawk, who was the next one that was ready to go. Um, he was not wrestling under the name Hawk at the time. He was wrestling under like Mike Van Hague or something like that. And so Ole Anderson brought Hawk into W or Georgia Championship Wrestling, and Paul E or Paul Ellering, I almost called him Paul E. dangerously. Paul Ellering had a stable called the Legion of Doom, and uh, I guess. Hawk kind of came up with that name the Legion of Doom they say because Hawk liked to watch the Super Friends cartoons and you know the thing was always uh... meanwhile back at the Legion of Doom so the Legion of Doom initially consisted of Jake Roberts King Kong Bundy and then the Road Warriors became a tag team once hawk joined with animal um it was it, i've heard different stories but animal i heard gave credit to ollie anderson he said ollie wanted to do something different with them and the movie the road warrior had just come out and he said you know we want you guys to be like these bikers but from the future and uh you know first they came out and kind of like looking like the village people type bikers with leather gloves and these, you know, Harley Davidson leather caps and sunglasses. And then, you know, always said, no, we need to put make you guys really different, really stand out. And, you know, their size alone wasn't enough to make them stand out. So, Animal went out and got the face paint uh, and they did a few different versions. Uh, first, you know, Animal says they look like a couple wild Indians. And then eventually Animal adopted his, uh, trademark spider look. And Hawk had what he called the Joker look. Um, and sometimes later on they both did full face paint. Uh, so, after Oli decided that, Hawk came up with the haircuts, uh, According to Animal's WWE uh, DVD about, you know, the life and times and best matches of the Road Warriors. Hawk said, you know, you told Animal, you should have a mohawk and I'll have a double mohawk. And I always liked Hawk's hairstyle for its uniqueness. I mean, a lot of people were doing the Mr. T... Uh, Mohawk thing, but I guess Hawks thing was it looked like they could plug into each other or something. I don't know, but anyway, that's how they got their haircuts. Um, world championships, I mean, it's some marks would debate, you know, well, you know, this and that tag team's the best. Look, the road wars changed wrestling. The tag teams that are coming along now might do high flying moves, they might do you know old school uh, and different things, but the rowers changed the business. There's a thing called the Road Warrior pop where anytime their music hit, whether it was the Iron Man version that I was playing a minute ago. Or it was uh, the, oh, what a rush. And then into music like they had in WWE. They always had this huge pop from the crowd. And I guess every time they would go backstage, Animal would ask, man, did you guys hear that pop? And Michael Hayes did. I don't really like him uh, as a person. I actually liked him at a restaurant. I thought he was cool, but seeing him talk in interviews, I don't like Michael Hayes, but that's another story. Um, Michael Hayes would say, you know, animal would always come behind the curtain and go, man, did you hear that pop? Which is one of the reasons Scott could name the Road Warrior Pop. And he thought that was a dumb question because, yeah, of course everyone heard it. And everyone knows you guys get that pop every time you go out. But whatever, that wasn't a very good story, sorry. Um, The argument about the best tag team of all time, they held belts in companies that don't even exist anymore. And some people will say, well, you know, the Dudley boys held the world championships in companies that don't exist anymore either, like ECW. Well, ECW was never as big as the companies I'm about to name you now. The Road Wars held championships in Georgia Championship Wrestling. They were, I believe, their first or so match in Georgia Championship. They won the national tag team titles. They would win the Georgia Championship Heavyweight Tag Team Titles, the National Wrestling Alliance Heavyweight Tag Team Titles, the American Wrestling Alliance AWA Tag Team Titles, All Japan Pro Wrestling Tag Team Champions, New Japan Pro Wrestling Tag Team Champions, uh, Crockett Promotions slash WCW Tag Team Champions, and of course, the WWF Tag Team Championships. So they held more belts than anyone. At one time, they were the main events of the WCW NWA. Uh, when they were really hot and were just beating up everyone, they were at the top of the card, which is usually reserved for the world champion. So, that that shows you, you know, they were at times bigger than the world's heavyweight champion. Um, so, 2011, they were inducted into the WWF, WWE Hall of Fame. It's kind of... I mean, we're... It's a paper hall of fame, but it's still a hall of fame. And they're in like the cauliflower alley hall of fame, which hardcore wrestling fans will say and when I say hardcore, I don't mean extreme or all that light bulb breaking crap. I'm talking, you know, wrestling fans that are like traditionalist. Uh they'll say, you know, cauliflower alley or one of these is the real wrestling hall of fame, but whatever. The, um You know, my memories are, one, the feud with the Midnight Express. And what they did was, uh, there was this bad guy manager named Jim Cornette. And he had a loaded tennis racket. And he would, you know, hit somebody, whoever the Midnights were wrestling, with the the loaded tennis racket from hell, right? And, uh... You know knock the opponent out, knock them down, and then the midnight express could cheat to win uh so they put there have been scaffold matches before, but this scaffold was thirty feet from the floor, and then the re- the ring is what like three or four feet high, so They're 27 or 26 feet above the ring. Now, there have been scaffold matches before this, but the scaffold was like 15 feet above the ring. Okay? No, this was a 30-foot-high scaffold. And the point was Jim Cornette is afraid of heights. So... Jim Cornette wouldn't be able to interfere in the match if they were up on the scaffold and your goal was to throw your opponent off the scaffold well you know the way that they did it was they would get well at least the way the Road Warriors and uh, the Midnight Express did it they got their opponents to the Midnight Express to kind of climb off the scaffold and swing on the the bars underneath kind of like monkey bars and then as they um, were swinging back and forth like monkey bars one of the road warriors would you know kick them until they fell off and then the road warriors ...climbed back up onto the scaffold... ...and they won. So, meanwhile... ...back at the ranch... ...Road Warrior Hawk climbs down the... ...scaffold... ...and Paul Ellering and Road Warrior Hawk... ...start chasing Jimmy Cornette around the ring. Jim Cornette... ...his whole life is wrestling. He didn't care about anything else. And so... He said, well, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die. So the Road Warriors chased him, or Hawk and Paul Ellering chased him up the scaffold. Where Hawk was <coughs> on one side of him, an animal was on the other. And Jim Cornette was in the middle with nowhere to go but down. And so they end up, you know, Jim Cornette gets under the scaffold and hangs on for a few seconds and then drops like a sack of potatoes uh blowing out both knees uh his bodyguard was supposed to catch him but i guess he fell so fast uh that big bubba rogers couldn't possibly catch him uh the other you know feud the one that made them good guys and i think they were they were never bad guys they were such bad asses that you like wanted to root for them. Uh, in the early 2000's. They were, that term was called like tweeners. And I don't think that's really a, a actual wrestling term. I think it's something some independent wrestling guys I knew made up. But uh, they were kind of like shades of gray. Like Vince McMahon would say later on in uh, 1997 or 98. That... They were somewhere in between where they just fought with everyone. Uh, but their notable feuds were against, like I've mentioned, the Russians, the evil Russians. This was Cold War America, still, the 1980s. And uh, animal credits this, this uh, run against the Russians is what made them turn baby faces. And then they had, of course, a feud with the Four Horsemen. Who didn't feud with the Four Horsemen. But, you know, theirs was one of the best. And they would often team up with Dusty Rhodes uh, in like a six-man tag. Or an eight-man tag with Dusty, Magnum, TA, the Road Warriors and versus the Four Horsemen. Uh, but... Their biggest, best feud in that would be against Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, and then uh, of course they had the feud with the Midnight Express that uh, eventually ended with Jim Cornette getting thrown off the scaffold. Um, I said already they changed the way wrestling was. You know, there were always big guys in wrestling. I mean, Bruno Sammartino was a big man. Pedro Morales was big Hulk Hogan at his prime was you know six foot eight and 300 pounds but the Road Warriors were a different kind of big they were like bodybuilder or powerlifter big you know and I met them at uh, Hill's department store one time and I was like 18 years old and They were the two biggest human beings I had seen in my life to that point. And I had been to some powerlifting shows and stuff, you know, locally. But in person, I mean, these were like the two biggest human beings I'd ever seen. It was crazy how big and muscular these guys were. And the funny, not funny, but like, Hills had it set up weird where you kind of, you walked up to either Hawk or Animal and they signed each other's names on a piece of paper and I still have it and it's kind of generic. It's just like, it has a WWF logo and then a border around it with pictures of a bunch of different wrestlers and Hawk and Animal are on the border. Uh, but Animal and Hawk just signed each other's names to this paper, uh, I think maybe they were over time Or maybe they were just trying to get out of there But I just remember people standing There in awe of how big they were Anyways So you were supposed to walk up to your hawk or animal Turn around and go back Like Well I ended up walking up the animal He signed my thing He said go that way And I, I don't know For some reason I walked The wrong way Nobody cared I walked past Hawk, and I almost stopped and said, hey, will you sign this for real, but I just kept on walking because Animal told me to go, and so, um, but anyways, I was supposed to turn around and walk back the way I came, I didn't realize, you know, you weren't like a a line, like how you normally go in a line, and then you go straight, whatever, not, again, not a very good story, sorry. But um, they were known as stiff workers, especially when they first came into wrestling, because their training by Eddie Sharkey, the bartender from Grandma Bees, Gamma Bees or Grandma Bees, was not the best. It, they just put he just put the guys in the ring and said, "Okay, do this, do that," and you know. They had all watched wrestling so they were doing what they thought they were supposed to do on tv from seeing it on tv but arn anderson described it as the worst fist fight he had ever been in and this was like their first hawk and animals first few weeks together as a tag team um they also you know in changing wrestling they made their entrance a spectacle coming out with shoulder pads that were had uh custom made spikes put on them so a lot of things they did no one ever did that before you guys came out in robes and you know different flashy attire and things like that but they were the first ones to ever have anything like that and they would wear spiked dog collars around their necks you know spiked uh wristbands uh gloves leather gloves with you know, little spikes on them, uh, for a while in the AWA when they were supposed to still be the, well, in, in, uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling too, anyways, they wore like leather chaps like bikers wear, uh, that look didn't last long, but, uh, you know, they were just like the first bad guys you loved, and it wasn't like the Four Horsemen where, As you grew up, you learned you loved to hate them. You just loved to see the Road Warriors beat people's asses. And occasionally, Hawk would drift over into a singles wrestling. And uh, have matches with Ric Flair. Um, It wasn't until after Hawk passed away. And there was a little time when Hawk and Animal went their separate ways. That, uh pardon me while I relight my Stogie. Um, for a while in nineteen ninety two, Road Warrior Hawk was us uh, on such a drinking bender. And Pillbender, after they wrestled at Wembley Stadium, Hawk just disappeared. He got in with some uh, London chapter of the Hell's Angels, and just pew, disappeared. Uh, and during that match, it was—it's noted, and I didn't realize it at first. I mean, when I watched it as a kid, but Hawk was really, really screwed up on pills uh, and alcohol and was stumbling around the ring. And uh, the other wrestlers they were working with, uh, it was the Million Dollar Man and uh, Mike Rotundo. uh, I was calling Mike Rotundo. But they worked around it so well, you didn't realize it at the time, or at least I didn't as a kid. I was probably so enamored. They were at Wembley Stadium in front of like 80,000 people or something. And so anyways... This... Uh, after that, you know, Hawk just disappeared. And so Animal finished his WWF uh, matches... But as a singles wrestler or uh, in handicap matches... Where he'd wrestle two people at once... And, uh, during that animal hurt his back and had to, uh, go off television for a while. Then they reappeared in WCW, uh, for a few more years in the mid nineties, uh, then came back to WWF during the attitude era. Uh, and, and this is kind of, you know, at the end of their prime, uh, well, I can't really say that cause it was maybe I was younger than 18 when I met them because they just finished up a feud with the midnight rocker. Well, with Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michael, they were Michaels. They were called the rockers in WWF. And I remember my friend Aaron going, Oh man, I wanted to tell him, man, the rockers should have beat you guys. So maybe I was a lot younger than 18 when I met them, but it doesn't matter. Um, the thing was, you know, when they returned to WWF during the Attitude Era in, like, 98, 99, 2000-ish, uh, they were teamed up with a girl named Sonny. Uh, if you want to see some hot-looking wrestling outfits, Google that. Um, Sonny looked gorgeous because she wasn't on dope back then. But, um... Anyway... The Road Warriors were known for their interview style, too. And it was a very innovative interview style where Animal would set up the match, Hawk would have some great one-liners, and then Paul Elring would wrap it all up. So I'm going to end with some interviews with the Road Warriors and um, some more of their theme music. Their music was another thing that changed the way wrestlers... Entered the ring. Some wrestlers have been using music for a while. um, But they came out to heavy metal. uh, Popular music of the time. Hulk Hogan likes to take the credit. And say well I came out to. Eye of the Tiger by Rocky. Well Hulk you were wrestling. Since the 70's. Late 70's. And didn't come out to music then. You came out with classy Freddie Blassie, he thunder lips hogan or something but anyway i think the road warriors were the ones that made coming out to music famous so anyways here's an interview and we'll play some more of their theme music goodbye god bless everyone have a
0: good night we're with the legion of doom the road warriors and precious paul Ellery. that's right as
1: everybody knows out there we're the guys that broke jim carness leg. And Midnight Express and Big Bubba, your legs are next, And we're going to break any kind of part of your body we can get our hands on. as you people out there also know, myself, my brother Hulk, and Dusty Rose, another street brother, are the world's six-man champions, and we intend to defend those titles all over the country. Ain't that right, huh? You got it, brother. Let me tell you people something. From scaffold matches to six-man tag team matches to Buckhouse Stampedes. All we want to do is fight, because that's what we're all about. fighting any way we can. Up high, down low, in the street,
3: wherever we go. We beat people up, and we're the best at it once again you wanted to say something about jimmy Cornett. i understand he's back <laughs> he's back he's back all right you've proved one thing jimmy Cornett: you commit your blunders with superb efficiency and standing in front of you is the two men that threw you down off of the scaffold 25 feet in the air to the bottom of the ring Now, we realize that you've had surgery on both knees, and we realize that you've also signed some more of these matches. So think about it, Midnight Express. Think about it, anybody else who gets into a match against Animal and Hawk and goes 25 feet in the air, or enters a bunkhouse stampede with 25, $50,000, whatever it may be. It's the pride of the Legion of Doom that makes us number one, that makes us walk away with all the gold. Number one in professional
0: wrestling. Okay, fans, let's the Legion of Doom with Precious following the Road Warriors. You know something told you, Vani, In the past weeks
1: out here at a superstation, the Warriors have been out there issuing challenges to people. And now why hasn't anybody failed to accept a stinking challenge that the Warriors offer? you got the four horsemen, four great athletes, a couple of them are world champions, one world champion, one world TV champion. Any time that two of you, three of you, or all four of you maybe you want to take on My partner and Dusty Rhodes are six men. Or you want to take on Nikita Koloff, Dusty Rhodes, and the Road Warriors. If you think you're mad enough, come on and do it. You know Tony Giovanni, a lot of people out here got big mouths. You got Rick Rune, Manny Fernandez, calling themselves the Legion of Destruction. The Legion of Doom, boys. has been around a long time. And remember, we're the guys that say what we're going to do. Then we do it. So, Richmond... Virginia, you're going to find out what we're all about. And tonight, Washington, D.C., Night of the Skywalkers, Midnight Express, you're going to take a fly, boys. Tell them how. Oh, Tony Schiavone, there's still a lot of tough guys in the N.W.A., or a lot of so-called tough guys, because there ain't one of them out there that ever beat us, and we have beaten all of them. Well I see Lex Luger. Yeah, he's a big cat. He looks good. But he's out here, and he's concerned about financial security. Lex Luger and any other wrestler that's worried about financial security. Let me make a suggestion to you. Don't ever, ever get in the ring with us. Because when we're done, you won't need to worry about financial security. You won't need to worry about anything but a pine box and six feet of earth, pal. And I'll tell you something else. I gotta get back to Slug City, because everywhere we go, it's Slug City, because we talk, but we back it up, and you're all slugs, everyone we wrestle's a slug, Slug City will be slugging slugs the rest of our lives, and that you can take to the bank and get some interest. Big night tonight for the rest. Olivia Troy, uh, you've heard this story everywhere they go. This Pence aide is turning on Trump. Uh, This Pence, this Pence hire is now talking about... Here's a clip to give you an idea where uh, she's talking
0: about... Ladies and gentlemen, this Wednesday night, 7 o'clock in the Omni here in Atlanta. Stark 89, Future Shock. And I want to bring on the team now that Minifield will win the Iron Team division. Guys,
2: I guess that was it. Uh, Sorry about the little... uh, taste the louder with Crowder that jumped in there at the end Uh, so thank you God bless have a good night